Hey guys, what's going on? It's Ryan Marr. You can follow me over on Instagram at Ryan Marr Comedy. See what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be, my different various podcasts. But right now, I'm very excited to be on Pre-Gaming with Paulie. You're now listening to Pre-Gaming with Paulie. Yeah, but like I do know exactly what he's talking about because sometimes when you do get like, at least for me, when I do get a drink on an airplane and they don't come fast and like take away the trash, I'm like, this is going to be an issue now. I'm going to drop this. Yeah, some, yeah, sometime. Yeah, yeah. Have you been on a plane since COVID? I think you have, right? I have. I went to Colorado in July. Ryan, have you been on a plane recently? No, not since COVID. No, no my last... Oh. uh my last traveling uh, thing was I'd gotten back from L.A. in early January, yeah, so and right I got super I got super sick for like two weeks, and it wound up being the flu and strep combined. I tested positive for both. Wow! And so I said to, I said to my doctor, I said, you know, could it have possibly been COVID too? And he goes, Yeah, we don't know. He goes, Because you know, back then they weren't even testing for it. So yeah, it was the sickest I've ever been in my life, though. Like I literally, and I and I'm not, you know, melodramatic. I have steel rods in my spine. I've been through some shit. I thought I was gonna die. I was like, This is the fucking sickest I've ever been. So who knows? Yeah, I wonder if you could do an antibody test now because I think that stays with you, right? You might be well, able to test so it and still figure it out. What I'm reading now is that. uh you know, again, not that that says much because every every day it seems to change. But the most of the reports that I've read said that the antibodies are like three to six months. Yeah, so, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, oh, and then, I wasn't yeah. gonna I wasn't gonna risk going and getting tested when I wasn't feeling symptoms when I was quarantining and and you know during that initial lockdown. So, who the hell knows at this point, man? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so during COVID with the uh, the drinks. They are the most annoying, like the stewardesses are so annoying anymore. Like everyone's got the mask on one time, like Lindsay, like took her mask down to take a sip of water. And as she was sipping the water and held the water like next to her, the lady come by and she was like, pull your mask up. And she's like holding the water in her head. She's like, I'm literally drinking water. And then really, yeah, like insane. And one time I think they were like watching us because they saw us start to giggle at them, like because the ladies were just being ridiculous, you know, and we were like making fun of it a little bit. And then they were like hounding. Like they, I felt like vultures were watching me and Lindsay. And then like, cause then we were joking. And then like, I pulled it down and she, she literally was like watching me as I like ate something real quick. And I was like, lady, you gotta stop. <laughs> I, I'm not your enemy here. I'm not trying to fuck with you. But are, are um, we, uh, are, we're live right now, by the way, right? Or recording. Right yeah. Now? We're just, we're just rolling. <laughs> oh, Easing into okay. it, you know? Yeah. I, oh, all right. Yeah. No. Cause I, I thought there'd be like an introduction, like, Hey, welcome to pregaming with Paul. <laughs> now, it's just like it's like no let's just uh bitch about you know stewardesses yeah. trying to do their job in a pandemic yeah no, it's all right i, I, look, yeah. I feel it <laughs> but well i feel like that was our intro that was way better of a job than we could have done doing it <laughs> well hey everybody how you doing <laughs> welcome to pre-gaming with paulie this week's episode it's season two episode four maybe five i don't know because online i just keep i keep listing them this like normal like just in linear order so this one like would be 19 but season two i don't know i think five right in the comment section below if you know what episode it is um yeah, drop a link <laughs> drop a link but uh we're here with a good friend ryan mar uh ryan say hello to the what's the up guys how we doing pretty good pretty good 
So Ryan is a stand-up comedian around these parts of Jersey, but you've traveled and done it too. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Where have you been? What have you done? Uh, well, so uh, I started doing stand-up comedy back in 2006, at the tail end of 06. Uh, I was a train conductor for New Jersey Transit Railroad at the time. I was miserable. I was a young kid. I was uh, just about 23, and uh, I hated it, man. I was like, you know, I, I was always a creative type. I had gotten my start in the independent professional wrestling business as a ring announcer manager. Um, <laughs> I always had a knack for broadcasting. That's what I, that I, that's what I went to school for. And I just felt like, oh, man, this is going to be the rest of my life, you know, punching tickets, dealing with these assholes till I'm 65. And, you know, it's one thing if it's a 20 and out job, you know, but when you're 22 years old and you're working a career you hate and you go, oh, you know, I only have another 40 years of this. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little bit different. So uh, started uh, doing an open mic, which I didn't realize at the time. I thought it was just an open mic. It was a tournament. And each week they had a winner. And you kept going back, and I wound up winning the tournament, which was a huge confidence boost, but also uh, very misleading because my prize for winning the tournament was a paid spot opening for Jackie the Joke Man Martling, which I had no business doing. Um, and as a matter of fact, I remember the club owner came up to me and said, okay, you got five minutes. And me being so cocky after just winning this tournament, I was like, huh, only five? And then when I went <laughs> up there, within the first 45 seconds, I wanted to bail. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause it was a different crowd. It wasn't that open mic supportive environment of like, Oh yeah, let's go support our friend. Now it was doctors, lawyers, people that spent $75 for a ticket. And you know, who's this, this fat kid who used to be a train conductor or still was a train conductor. <laughs> you know, I, I just punched my ticket at a long branch the other day. And then one thing just led to another and it built, I went uh, full time in 09 and I've been living the dream ever since, if you could call it that. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that's that a, it's, it's funny that in that story, everyone in the crowd knows that you're a train conductor. Like, they could just tell. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I referenced it. And in, in actually, my first CD that I put out in 2011, and, you know, I, I got pretty lucky. It was in rotation at Sirius XM Radio on Raw Dog Comedy for a couple of years. And uh, I called it off the rails because I talked a lot about uh, the train conductor experience. It is a very interesting job if you want to see how the world works because you're, de you're dealing with all different types of people from all different walks of life. you got commuters making $225,000 a year that, you know, live in Holmdel and are using the train to get back and forth to work. And then you have dregs of society. And then you have in the middle, regular everyday people. So it was an interesting experience. I don't regret it, but I just couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, it's definitely no one ever seems happy, happy, like walking down. They all, they all seem like they got that attitude. <laughs> well, you know, part of the reason I got to be I got to be honest was that was disheartening for me because I used to actually like engaging with uh, passengers. Um, there's actually I don't know if you guys are familiar with the cover band, the Amish Outlaws. Uh, they play all around, you know, the Jersey Shore area and pretty much all over the Northeast. The one guy who's in the Amish Outlaws tells the story. and I don't even remember it. He goes, I got on your train at Woodbridge and uh, he, he was an actor at the time and he was going to an audition and he was broke. And he said, I hid in the men's room of the train. I hid in the bathroom. He goes, and you caught me and just said, dude, you know, next time come up to me and I'll just let you ride. And I don't remember that happening, but I know there were instances of that. Like some of these fucking train conductors would act as if you were taking money out of their pocket. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Wanna, well, you don't want to pay the fare. Okay, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd be a bad person for that. Like if you just looked like a good person, I'd be like, all right, whatever. Like, yeah. like yeah. these guys, it's something, look, I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very pro police in a lot of ways, but it, it's kind of it's kind of funny how, you know, when people now you have to accept the side with everything in life. Right. 
And there are people that put on a uniform or have a little bit of authority and they fucking let it go to their head. And I feel like a lot of these train conductors acted that way. You know, oh, let me see your ticket. Oh, it's a, you know, not a transfer here. You're supposed to get off. Shut the fuck up. Punch your ticket. <laughs> you know, make your six figures a year and go home and bang the old lady. Yeah. Yeah. My, my thing with that is, is 10% of every, everyone is bad. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what, what clothes you wear, what uniform, what job you have. There's 10% of that, that crowd that are just assholes. And, I believe yeah. that. I, I, yeah. I think you're actually being, you know, quite generous. It's probably more like 15 to 20. Could, if you think about be. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just my rule of thumb. There is, there's always assholes everywhere. When you're conducting a train, this is something I've always wondered. How much, no how much like control do you actually have over the train? Like if you fell asleep while you're in the front of the train, what's going to happen? Because in my head, I was always like, oh, there's some computer that's going to automate it and it's not going to let you it crash into something. Is that is that the case? Or well, not? see, so that's that's. That's part of the problem with the railroad. Everything is very antiquated, even to this day, and the general public doesn't really have uh, a knowledge of what the job entails. So I was not ever driving a train. That's the engineer's position. It's weird. So they've changed it since I left. I left in 2009. It used to be you had to be an assistant conductor for two years. That was a three-month training program, fail three tests, and you're fired, anywhere from one to two tests a day. So 24 of us started out in that class in July of 2005, I think 13 of us finished, uh, and then you're an assistant conductor for two years, and then after that, you have to go on to become a full-fledged conductor. Once you're a full-fledged conductor, you have your pick of the litter. So there are certain jobs called conductor, which means you're in charge of the train, but it doesn't really make sense because the engineer drives the train. You just basically meet with the engineer prior to the train leaving. You do a brake test. You do all that. Uh, there's a position called the rear brake, which is also a conductor's job, which means that you open and close the doors at the stop. You also watch the platform to make sure you're not dragging anybody and you signal the engineer to go. So like, let's say you notice when you're looking at the platform, uh, somebody might get their jacket caught or something might happen. If you were on a train and it's pulling out of a stop and you hear that eh, noise, that means that was the rear brake telling the engineer to stop the train, pull the brake. So mm. you were responsible for things like that. There was a lot of responsibility, but then you were also in rail yards where you were coupling trains together, you know, backing the engineer up with the radio. So it was a very versatile job, but to me, it never made sense. If I'm not driving the fucking thing, why am I responsible for it? Um, yeah. If I mean, there was that instance... Uh, like a couple years ago. Point, though, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if an engineer, you know, accent, which is what happened in Hoboken uh, a couple years ago, engineer fell asleep um, and and didn't read the signal and, and he crashed. And, uh, you know, I wasn't there at the time. I knew the one rear brake. Uh, but from what I was told, they were, you know, pretty much all fired, <laughs> you know, which is I, I would hope so. <laughs> well, no, I feel like you get it, one it, chance. Well, I mean, if the engineer is up on a, a locomotive and I'm 15 cars back punching tickets, which is part of the responsibility, he falls asleep. Why the fuck am I getting fired? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a case to be made for somebody. But yeah, that sounds yeah. I mean, there wasn't there was like multiple instance instances in like a couple of years. Wasn't like someone drunk in Philly and like had the train fall over. I think there was a Philadelphia train that did it, too. Yeah, well, and that then there was, was a Hoboken one right after Amtrak. Okay. Yeah. That's part of the thing, too. That was an Amtrak thing. But what a lot of people don't realize is Amtrak territory, New Jersey Transit, especially on the North Jersey, um, not the North Jersey coastline, the Northeast Corridor line, that runs Newark 
to uh, Pennsylvania. It ends in Trenton for transit customers. Transit operates on Amtrak territory. So those were uh, Amtrak employees that had done that. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of tragedy. People would jump in front of trains. Um, you know, there were conductors that had 30 years of service that never had one jumper. I was there, what, four years and I had like nine, you know? Holy that, yeah. fuck. Jesus. Yeah. So, That's I mean, it's, it's fucking crazy. And then sometimes it's not even a tragedy. It's not even somebody jumping. Sometimes it's like you said, someone getting drunk wandering uh you know that's why if you ever notice at bar a on tuesday nights because you guys are local like they have cops there new jersey transit police because when yeah. that line gets really long and those gates come down they want to make sure that the people waiting online to get in to beat the clock are clear of those gates yeah aren't, aren't stupid at the time or whatever yeah so yeah I, this is what i love about this show we go from just, we got a little bit of everything. Now you're learning about New Jersey Transit right now. Uh, we well, no, keep in mind, <laughs> I've been gone since 09, so don't hold me but to still, it. But still, we got a little bit of everything. But uh, hey, How come I, little I kids a... like trains so much? What's up with that? <laughs> what is up with that? Like Thomas? What's up with that? Yeah. Thomas the Train. And it's not like little most little kids. Every little kid likes it. Yeah. You show me one little kid that hasn't had a train phase? I don't mm. buy it. You want to laugh? Some of the people that don't grow out of that phase, they call them rail buffs. And there are quite a few of them. And they were the worst guys to work with because how do I explain this? Like Mike's a great photographer, right? So Mike, you you, you photograph a lot of like I, I've seen you do a lot of stuff in nature, right? So you're like a like you're into like birds and shit like that, right? Not too much birds, no. <laughs> I I'm more in the military. <laughs> I don't but do a lot I of seen you like post like nature type photos and stuff. Uh, not, not really nature, unless I was, like, sharing someone else's account that was, like, a really good... Oh, I posted, like, a lot of Robert Irwin photography. Shout out Steve, Uncle Dad, Steve Irwin. Um, Rest in peace. Yeah, RIP. That's my guy. So I, I share a lot no, of, like, okay. Robert Irwin stuff. Um, so I'm, you might see me share a lot of nature photography. I don't do much, though. Okay, but yeah. well, but, but these rail buffs were the guys, like, so that yeah. probably wasn't the best analogy, but... No. You know, imagine you serving in the military, right? And, and yeah. there was a guy who you're serving alongside with that all he talks about are, you know, Saving Private Ryan and whatever. Like, it's like, OK, yeah, those are movies, but we have a job to do. So that's what would happen. Like, you know, we would uh, be at a signal at uh, Newark Penn Station waiting because the track up ahead. Oh, no, this diesel engine from Con Ed that hasn't been seen in these parts since 1976 is about to roll through. And you're like, oh, like a lot of those nerdy guys wind up becoming train conductors just because it was a lifelong passion for them yeah i mean in the, in the military with, of... with that i was just going off but in the military with that it's usually not even the people in the military if you run it if i dread wearing my uniform everyone knows it's like when i'm in my uniform i i try to just drive straight home and get changed before i yeah. go out <laughs> i i stop at wawa to get a drink or like a, a hoagie that person that you run into at Wawa who'd never been in the military but is upset, like a History Channel buff, is who I dread in my life. Like what you're saying. It's just like they start bringing – and it's like I do my one job in the military. I don't know about the history of World War II that someone wants to bring up to me at Wawa right now when I'm just trying to get out of here. And, yeah. and that's how I well, feel yeah, about And I think that. everybody, no matter what they do, you know, it's the same thing with, with comedy. You know, you get off stage and, uh, you know, someone will come up to you, especially if it's like one of these gigs like out in the Midwest and it's – at like a firehouse, which some of those gigs are the best, you know, uh, but you'll have people come up to you and go, oh, you know, uh, I got a little skit for you. You know, uh, I <laughs> said this at the office the other day and I'll never forget. <laughs> I was just I, this past weekend. I was hanging out with my friend, Anthony Domenico, very funny comic. And we met up with another friend of ours who's a comic, Richie Byrne. And we were telling this story 
about how Richie and I were doing the Lake Ontario Playhouse up in Sackets Harbor, New York. And I always bust Richie's chops because there's a story uh, of Adam Sandler has owed Richie Byrne $175 since like 1987. And I always rile Richie up. Like if I would bring him to the stage, I would tell the audience, like, here's Richie's credits. And Adam Sandler owes him $150 since 1987. (laughs) At the end of the show, after he did an hour, some guy from Sackett's Harbor, New York, up by Canada, comes up to Richie and says, "Uh, excuse me, Mr. Byrne, I know why Adam Sandler's owed you that money. And Richie goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, because he's a fucking Jew. And then starts cracking up and goes, you should use that. You should add that in your skit. And Richie's like, why would I add that in my skit? Like, you want me to A little on the nose, huh? Yeah, like, you just want me to be, like, blatantly anti-Semitic? Like, I just told you a great eight-minute story. Because at at the end of the story, Richie works for the Dr. Oz show as the warm-up comic. He ran into Adam Sandler on Fallon. He got the $150. (laughs) So it was like... Oh, he nice. just tells this beautiful story, and that's what you come up with? That's what's going to be so funny? Oh, he's a Jew? Really? <laughs> Everyone knows Adam Sandler's a Jew. Like, yeah. it's not a, that's not breaking that really, news of a joke. It's, it's that just would really insanity. go over well in the middle of the country. I think the Bible <laughs> Belt would find that tag real <laughs> real funny. <laughs> exactly. It's just, But even, you know, it, it, again, it's, it, that's the thing I love about traveling. There's some comics that I know that kill in New York City, but then will bomb on the Jersey Shore. And it's yeah. like, all right, you got to read the room. You know, I, I've always tried to be as versatile as possible to at least, you know, do I kill everywhere? Absolutely not. But at least know how to work a room, know how to improv, you know, and sometimes just go up there and have fun. Yeah. I mean, that's just life right there. Yeah. Mm. Well, Mike, what are you drinking right now? I am sipping on a Manhattan. <laughs> I got a little Manhattan going, and like always, I can't wait until I'm sponsored by them someday, but I always got a Bud Light to the side, so Manhattan Bud Light. Have you tried the new uh, Holiday Seltzers yet? I No, so I was saying last episode, so we just did another podcast, uh, like it feels like two days ago, um, for Veterans Day, and I told Paul, Paul's been drinking the Crisp and Bud Light Crisp, like the Mickey Ultra version, mm-hmm. and I've been looking, every time I go to a new liquor store, I look for... The holiday seltzers, or but like crisp, and nothing around here has it. I'm like dying to try them. My uh, my buddy Anthony, who I spent Saturday night with before we went out, he's not a drinker, but we went to his brother's house, and his brother owns a deli. And I don't know if he, because of that, had a connection. He had like three cases of the holiday seltzers, so we were drinking. I had the cranberry, which was okay. My favorite was the ginger snap, and then there was an Ooh. apple crisp that was awesome too. That sounds good. See, that's what I need to try. Yeah. An apple. And then when I posted about it on my social media, a few people in Jersey uh, reached out and said that there's a ShopRite, the ShopRite liquors on Route 35 and Wall. Supposedly, they had a couple cases there. I'm sure like the, you know, the Wegmans liquor stores and stuff like that have them. But I've been going, I mean, I live, you know, Ocean Grove, Asbury area. And there's a lot of, you know, like kind of shady liquor stores, <laughs> corners and stuff. That they they have the the essentials. They don't have like the the new flavors or whatever. So, but I've been trying. I can't find it. Paul, what do you got? I've always been fascinated. You guys both can probably relate to this too. There's always like that trend where you can't find the shit for I don't know, say five six months, and then it just kind of dies out. Like I the first time I remember that in recent memory was the uh, 
Oh God, six, seven years ago, the Not Your Father's Root Beer. Remember that was the crazy yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, I and did. And you couldn't get that yes. anywhere. And then, uh, no. you know, White Claw, I don't remember there really being like that much of it. Well, yeah, no, I guess what? 2019, last summer, there was a little bit of a White Claw shortage, or maybe it was the summer. There before. was. Jenks, uh, when I was barbacking, we, we literally couldn't order enough to keep on the shelves. And then the, the distributors were out. And then, yeah. or they only had like one flavor, and we were screwed. So. Yeah, that's the one. Jenks. That's the one business. I mean, uh, you know, the the nightlife industry is is you know fucking bleeding out. But like, if you own a liquor store, I mean, uh, you know, the, the up the bottle king up in Paramus, I was up there, and I said to my friend, I was like, "There's a lineup out to the street. Like, are they doing COVID testing there?" And he goes, "No, that's every <laughs> night. Like, people just get off Route 17 and pull in." And I'm like, man, like the money that these liquor stores have been raking in since March. I read like a couple of different reports that they're up in Jersey, like 250%. That's insanity. I want to doubt so it. It's so classic that like that's at least like in the in the beginning of COVID that that was like immediately deemed an essential business. Yeah. It was like, yeah, people need to get fucked up. <laughs> well, if you're going to tell everybody, hey, you can't go to work and you can't go out and you can't yeah. leave your house. You maybe yeah, they should all be drunk because that's the only well, way it, people can just relax. <laughs> like it's it's funny that also like at the time in states that it was legal in like weed was also like weed stores were deemed I'm essential sure. businesses, and it's funny that it's illegal in places and in other states it's essential. <laughs> it well, you know, know? The, the funny thing is, I mean, weed and I, I'm a, I'm a marijuana smoker. Later, I mean, I'm 37 years old, so I only really started to use it regularly within the last probably four years, you know, and I'm not saying every day, but regularly as in more than casual. Um, I think the reason that the liquor stores had to stay open politically, which was given was that they didn't want people going through alcohol withdrawals, having to go into a hospital to dry out when the hospitals were already overwhelmed due to COVID. Uh, that was, a doubt that that's, going yeah. you know, yeah. and if that's the case, or even if it's a bullshit excuse, I'm on board because, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was, uh, the first two weeks we were doing stuff like this, uh, like, and I'm sure you guys were too, like Zoom meetings, things of that nature. But after a while, it just got depressing to be drinking at home. It really did. Yeah. So unless having parties or get-togethers or bonfires, I just got over drinking at home really quick. I was never really into that. Yeah, no, I've never really drank much at home. And then, yeah, around the beginning of this, I was getting blacked out playing Fortnite every night because that's the only time you can talk <laughs> to people. I was like talking to Paul or my other friends and like just blacking out. <laughs> wake up, in, <laughs> wake up in your own bed and there's just a disaster <laughs> like yeah. around you. Like, oh, this is shitty. Yeah. The Paul. fucking Xbox is still on, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a rough. It was a rough March and April. Yes. What are you drinking, Paul? I'm curious. You didn't tell. Okay, me. so first of all, look Wrench. at how beautiful this can is. Great it's radio. Br- those at home, it's it's pink. Gray, black, and silver. Amazing color palette for all you graphic designers. Um, it is Wrench by Industrial Arts Brewing Company. A Northeast India Pale Ale. Lush and tropical zest. Now, for those of you, for those super fans at home saying Paul doesn't Paul doesn't drink IPAs. Why why did he get this? How did how did he come to this moment? So I was texting with my uh confidant Mike Schwank about 20 minutes before the show. And yes, I think hello. I drank Bud Light like the last two episodes because I got like a 30 of it and I just could not fucking burn through it. And I said, is it whack if I drink Bud Light again? Lol. I, I added a lol there. <laughs> and then Mike said, lol, that's on you, man. Which basically said, which basically means, yeah, you'd be kind of a bitch if you did that. Yeah. So 
So I, I got up and I ran to the liquor store real quick. And I started like bullshitting with the guy who owns it behind the behind the counter. I was wearing a giant's mask, like a face Ooh. mask. Like, listen, I don't care. It was literally just the only clean mask I had. And he's like, oh, man, I'm a Giants fan and I wouldn't even wear that. And I said what I just told you. I said, it's the only clean mask I have. So we, so we started like kind of joking around. I was like, all right, I like this guy. And at this liquor store, the beers are at least like a lot of the like wacky beers are like behind the counter. So like Bud Lights are in a fridge that you could reach, like stuff like that. Yeah. But all that other stuff is behind him. So I'm standing there just like scanning not knowing what I want. And he says, oh, you know what's good? This company makes really good beers. I just bought uh, a whole bunch of cans for them. So I'm like, all right, pick out your favorite one, and then I'll, I'll take that. Wow. So, so we're, he's doing that, and he's talking about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, they, they, they do this, 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 and that. And I, <laughs> I just begin to like answer him after his whole spiel, and I'm like two words in, and he's not even looking at me. And he goes, okay, have a good night. And in my head, I thought like he must have been talking to someone like behind me who was leaving. And I turn and there's no one there. And I was like, this guy was not interested in having a conversation with me. He just wanted to say a bunch of words. And then as soon as I started talking, he was like, okay, that's the end of that. And then he didn't tell me how much it was. And I left and I looked at my uh, phone, like my American Express thing, seventeen dollars for a four pack of these. Oh my god, he he like he's, he's getting commission on this. Yeah, I mean it's like the sixteen ounce ones, but still, but still had I known it was seventeen dollars for four of them, no way would I have gotten it. <laughs> that's like but that they are high kind of good, noon, right? High yeah, noon that's it's that's that more shit. expensive than high noon, dude. And that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm laughing because I love how the whole awkward exchange started with you wearing a Giants mask. I'm actually wearing uh, a Giants uh, hoodie right now. I know the people listening won't be able to appreciate that, but. You know, it doesn't matter where, where you're at. If you're wearing like a T-shirt or hoodie or hat or now in this case mask of like your favorite sports team or musician, like it just makes people sometimes talk to you. Now, if I'm at like a, a vintage record store and I'm wearing a Billy Joel T-shirt and you want to talk about that, that's fine. But like I just hate like you said, I'm, I just want to get in and get out of the store. Like don't make fucking small talk with me, especially if it's not even something knowledgeable like You'll just, you know, you'll be wearing a Giants hoodie and someone will go, ah, Danny Jones, what do you think? You know, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I turn on ESPN. I'm not here to be a fucking analyst. I just want my you, beer. You know what I really hate, too, in Hoboken, New Jersey, or New Jersey in general, where, like, everyone's a Giant fan, right? If you yeah. were, like, an Arizona Diamondback fan and you're wearing that hat, that's something to be said, like, oh, Diamondbacks? Oh, wow, yeah. like, I don't talk to you guys a lot around here, like... Exactly. But if you're just like, uh, oh, those giants, it's like, yeah, everyone fucking is a giant man. <laughs> we but, like, get the it. Thing was, the, the, the thing was is that the first like 95% of the conversation, I was like, oh, all right, I like this guy. <laughs> like, you know, he, he was he was like an older guy, but like he was he was like nice. Like it, it wasn't like a bad conversation until the very end when he like rushed me out in the middle of my response i was like what yeah. the fuck was that whole spiel for then are you like <laughs> like did you just butter me up to sell me this wrench by industrial arts brewing company are you a fucking mole for them <laughs> yeah i mean that's what they do now i mean everything oh well, maybe i wouldn't be shocked if there was some kind of commission i don't know if that's you know against abc law but that's like the dispensaries now out in california you know I think we're used to as Jersey guys, if if you go to a, a bar or liquor store, you're going to see like a hot chick with her, you know, 
uh, in a tank top promoting whatever. When you go to, <laughs> out to L.A. and go into some of these dispensaries, it's beautiful women but dressed like business casual, like pantsuits, and they're selling you on their strains of, of, of marijuana or whatever you know cannabis products they have. So and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen now in Jersey. I think the, there's going to be a big... You know, again, it's going to take probably what I think they said eighteen to twenty-six months, but um, the game's oh, really, really going to change. The game's really going to change because I could tell you now too. I am more. I'm a party guy. Mike knows this, but I just enjoy. Uh, if I'm going to get silly, I, I want to just you know smoke something or take an edible now. Like I don't like being hungover. I'm also I got a few years on you guys. I'm thirty-seven. I feel like at thirty-five is when it really started to go. Holy shit! This does not feel good. You know, a hangover used to be something you brag about. And then when it gets to a point where you're like, fuck, it's just, you know, and that's that's one of the silver linings in the pandemic, at least for me. Like right now, I'm not drinking, you know, like I'm just taking it easy and, you know, but you guys are youthful. So I still feel that, though, like yeah, these too. days I've been I've been hitting my wall of like and, and I, you know, I still drink enough, you know, to where it's it's not like four beers and I'm like, fuck myself. But when I, you know, because I'm a beer drinker too, so when I get my alcohol in me, a couple of shots or whatever with the beer, and I wake up, I'm like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. <laughs> I'm over this shit. But, but see, the thing is, is that with you, I mean, you know, you and I have gotten uh, to know each other and become better acquainted. I've partied with you. You're much like me in that regard. Well, actually, you're better than me because you control it better. But I've, I've had fun drinking yeah. with you. You know, like if, yeah, if we're yeah, at a place, yeah. even if it's a dive bar, even if, if there's a good DJ, we can vibe to that. I'm personally more into uh, bands because when I came up in my 20s, like the, the Life Speeds and the Benjamins were still a big thing. But we have fun. Whereas we know other people that, you know, they're totally content with blacking out on a Zoom call. And I mean, this is a <laughs> podcast. This is different. But I mean, I know because I was participating in some of them, like those first couple of weeks when, when the pandemic began with lockdown. I mean, yeah, people were falling asleep on Zoom, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, this is <laughs> depressing. You know what's something I've noticed as I've as I've gotten a little older is that when I was like in college, and even like the the two three years after it, I never subscribed to the whole like don't mix liquors thing. Where like, oh, if you drink vodka and beer and whiskey in one night, then you'll get like really hungover because that was never my experience. But mm -hmm. now, if I do do that, it feels like a fucking Amtrak train hit me. Oh, reference to earlier conversation. <laughs> nice callback. I like <laughs> it. All comes full circle. Louis but, like, I really right do there. get so fucking hungover now, and it's like, holy fuck, those people knew what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was always with the belief that it was sugar. I mean, that's what I was always told. Um, another fascinating thing that I learned uh, from my buddy Tommy Janarone, who's the owner of Bar Anticipation, one of the owners. But he's also an entertainment attorney. He handles a lot of DUI cases. And this is something that I didn't know. Whenever you go to the gym, which uh, I know by looking at me, you could tell is not often. But even prior to the pandemic, if you ever like even just go and do something like an elliptical or a treadmill, right? You'll hear people say, oh, I sweat out or even go for a jog. I sweat out the booze. You don't actually sweat out the booze. What you're smelling is your breath because you're breathing heavier. And I never knew that. So there's always these misconceptions, too, where people say like, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to sweat it out. Well, that really means is that you're just getting your heart rate up, you're, you're breathing heavier, and you're getting it off of your breath. There's really no such thing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're sweating out other toxins, but not alcohol. You know, alcohol yeah. does not come through your pores. So 
it, it's amazing. I'm like, I consider myself to be of above average intelligence, but I had no fucking idea about that. I thought you just literally swam. Yeah, <laughs> That's fucking news to me. <laughs> I would have gone the rest of my life thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Now, one one stand up question, Ryan, before we get no, into any when uh well we're to get into the you know the the show because we're still running off the top but my one question for a stand-up um would be like how how do you start the writing routine and for your you know a main set where you know you use it for that year or whatever it may be how um how do you start it how long does it usually take and how many times are you like going to like different you know maybe open mics or whatever to like work that out or how long like how long is that process well, I mean, look, it, it's a muscle like anything else. And that's the yeah. dilemma that we're facing right now is that there's just not enough stages and you have to adapt. I've been lucky to get up six times uh, since the pandemic hit, whereas prior to March, there hadn't been a stretch of longer than maybe two and a half weeks that I hadn't been on a stage. You know, you would you, you'd be on the road on the weekends or some clubs Thursday through Saturday. And again, busier times in the summer. It doesn't matter if it's on the Jersey Shore or anywhere. People want to be outside. So even a comedy club in Bumblefuck, PA, they're not going to really have as much attendance at a comedy club in the summer because people still want to be outside and, you know, tending to the corn or whatever the hell they do out there. So <laughs> I would try, you know, uh, to get on stage as much as possible, whether it be open mics, just to work shit out, just to record stuff so I could go, okay, I got this bit. And and you always play with it. And, and unfortunately... I wasn't somebody who recorded every set until later on. I started to try to document it a little bit because you would say something a certain way and someone would go, oh, yeah, you know what? I like the way that you you, you changed it or you put a vocal inflection on this. Um, and there's so many jokes like that. Or sometimes you'll, you'll be opening for a legendary comic uh, like you know a Don Gavin or the few times I would open for Gilbert. Once you got to a point where you know they trusted you and liked you, they'd say, yeah, about that joke. Why don't you try it this way? So it's a little bit of everything. Um, again, I'm not a Louis CK. I'm not a Bill Burr. I don't have to write a new hour every year. You know, there are jokes like, you know, if I've never been to the venue before and let's say the venue holds 300 people and I have a pretty good idea that maybe only 15 of those people have seen me, I'm going to go with what I think are the greatest hits. (laughs) You know what I mean? And some of them might be 10 years old, but if I put out a special, like I have a DVD and a CD that are pretty much different. Uh, the, the CD was 2011 DVD was 2014 and now no one has a DVD or CD player, but I still have that so I can (laughs) repurpose that and stuff. But I, you know, I've been writing a lot during this whole ordeal. I don't know what's going to work. You know, you try here or there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like right now I haven't been up in three weeks and it's kind of like, oh shit. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I actually got to see, uh, at, it was at Mammoth Park. I forget what it's called. The Blue something. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like an outdoor oh, venue at Mammoth Grotto. Park. Blue Grotto. Yeah. Blue Grotto. So I got to see my favorite stand-up is John Mulaney. Okay. And it was him and uh, Mike Berbiglia. Yeah, those and, two killer acts. Yeah, Mike Berbiglia, people who know him, you know, generally tells like a story, like one story about his life, and there's jokes along it. And, uh, you know, along the way, but he didn't do that. So it was like odd. He was a little, you could tell he was like trying to find his thing. John Mulaney killed it. I was like, like normal. I'm like laughing front to back, but then he did. He was on SNL on Halloween a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. I watched and, it. It was great. Yeah. It was a lot of the stand up he did. And this was maybe two months ago. I think I saw 
John Mulaney. Yeah. So it was a lot of that act that he, you know, did for us and just, you know, you know, different structure to it. And maybe it was SNL and being on TV and having to reduce things, but it like he was good. It was not nearly as good as he was doing it. And it like almost annoyed me. Like I watched it and me and Lindsay saw him live together. Then we saw, we watched SNL together and we were like, yeah, he, he destroyed some of his jokes and maybe he's towing it back because of the TV networks or whatever that it may be. But I was like a little disappointed. And I'm sure if you didn't see what I saw live, you would be like, this is great, but he was so much better. I don't know. That's my two cents. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, look, you're, I consider, I mean, you're an educated guy and, and, and you're a fan of comedy, so of course, but you know, there's different ways of looking at it. I mean, I am one of the few comics that you're going to probably meet that uh, defends Dane Cook quite a bit. And that's I because I was Dane a Dane Cook, Cook and, and that's because I was a Dane Cook fan. And I remember he put out the Harmful of Swallowed album. That's what, you know, put him on the map. And then Retaliation which was the second album was what put him on another stratosphere. Like he already had the MySpace following and everything after our yeah, whole retaliation was like when they were like, okay, we're going to put him in movies with fucking Jessica Simpson. Um, so I went and bought retaliation the day it came out. My buddy had tickets to go see Dane cook at the theater at Madison square garden. His opening act was Bobby Kelly, who I wound up going to be an opener for God, probably 25, 30 times. But Bobby Kelly in the theater at Madison Square Garden, it was a fresh guy who I'd never seen before. This was before Torgasm on HBO came out, because right after that, Dane actually sold out the garden itself. This was still the theater. Bobby Kelly crushed. Dane Cook went out, and it was fun, and it was enjoyable, but he was doing the material word for word from Retaliation that at that point had already been out two months. And here's mm -hmm. the thing. The audience didn't give a shit, because it was all the hot 20-something-year-old girls that wanted to fuck Dane Cook. It was so crazy <laughs> at one point. You know that bit that he used to do about the car alarm where he'd go, hello? Yeah, I'm a car. Yeah. He held the microphone out to the audience after starting it, and in unison, and the theater, all right, so Madison Square Garden holds 16,000. I think the theater at the Garden holds maybe 2,000. They were fucking screaming it in unison, and he actually said, holy shit, I feel like John Bon Jovi. And that was the only thing I could liken it to, because if you go to a concert, you want to hear Living on a Prayer if it's a Bon Jovi concert. You know what I mean? If you go to a Bruce Springsteen show, you're going to be pissed if he doesn't do Born to Run. Dane Cook was that first comic since Andrew Dice Clay that you hit that rock and roll level. Yeah, you want to hear the jokes you already heard. Yeah, like yeah. when Dice to this day, he'll do a brand new hour that's that's brilliant and and timely and then he'll close with the hickory dickory doc that's just you know yeah. people like that and nowadays i think the the style is more moving on like because of louis ck and bill burr oh we have to be prolific we have to get as much material out as possible and unless you're a master like a Chappelle or or, or like a louis ck you know, it's not going to try it i'm a great comic i'm not a master there's like yeah. seven or eight guys that are masters Mm -hmm. it's it's so funny like listening to stand-up comedians podcasts because i listen to like a few of them and it seems to be like the consensus among all them is that like they don't like dane cook or like they think he's like kind of hacky and they all just sound like fucking jealous like haters yeah. to me it's like it's like yeah well he just uh moves around the stage a lot he just like yells things it's like well he's fucking funny it works. So it's like it fucking works yeah it's like if you're just mad that you can't do that then you know figure out a new fucking way to be funny like why is why is one way of being funny ranked higher than 
like his way. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that I think that that's a, and I'm not ad, I'm not excusing that behavior because it, it makes me fucking really annoyed too. But I, I think I can lend maybe uh, a constructive opinion on why that exists. These a lot of it's jealousy, yes, but I have found that a lot of these comics with thirty. 35 years, 25 years experience. And let's not forget, Dan Cook wasn't an overnight sensation. I mean, he had been grinding it out for 17 years before that break had hit. So um, these guys that were coming up with him didn't realize what he was doing. First of all, he was a very good-looking guy on top of being talented. He was charismatic. So he got an attention from a female base that wasn't watching comedy. And he used MySpace. And he was like literally the first you know, celebrity that became famous through MySpace. Now every day somebody's got something going viral, but comedians by nature are not really fun people. Like I'll, I'll go out on the road and I'll be doing a club like Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I'll be opening for a guy where a couple of college kids, I don't want to say the guy's name. They came to see that guy. And then they said, Oh, why don't you come out with us and have a drink? And that guy goes, well, no, I've been in recovery for 25 years. And he went up to his hotel room and he just read or watched Netflix. And I wound up going out with those guys and going to all these college bars in Scranton. And then they became my fans. So I look at it like I like that rock and roll aspect of it. I like going out, doing your gig, having fun afterwards. A lot of comics don't do that anymore. Sam Kinison used to do that. That whole outlaw crew, Rodney Dangerfield, you know, it just doesn't exist anymore. Now it's all like, cool, let's talk about how clever we are and go tweet you know, a meme with our text of our joke on it. And hey, more power to them. But that's just not my style. So I think those are the guys that hate on Dane Cook because they can't be him. Instead of saying, well, I understand the guy's a good looking guy and women want to fuck him. They'd rather be bitter about it. I like I like that Louis D.K. invited Dane Cook onto his show, Louie, at that time. Did you guys yeah. all see that episode? Yep. Yeah. That's fantastic that like they can poke fun at it and put it behind them and like do it seriously in the episode. But also like. You know, it's like them kind of getting over it and showing people like, hey, we're, we're sitting down as grown men and just saying, fuck it, you know? Well, I don't know if That's you guys are aware. Episode. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. And I just watched the uh, the five-part Comedy Store documentary on Showtime. They did a docuseries, which if you're a fan of comedy and you respect, you know, like its history, you would definitely enjoy this. But there was one glaring omission because they talked about Carlos Mencia and all the heat with Joe Rogan over, you know, Joe calling Carlos out for stealing. Robin Williams. Oh, yeah, was, that was a bad one. I remember Carlos Mencia was and he was like really sad to watch him fall apart, too. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, well, they left this out and I think they did it out of respect to his memory. But Robin Williams and all the information is out there. If you look it up, was the most notorious joke thief probably in the history of comedy. And what they did was they chalked it up to him just being so explosive and so creative that he didn't do it intentionally, that stuff would just enter into his brain and he would use it. And that's what Louis C.K. says to Dane Cook in that episode. He goes, I don't think mm. you purposely stole. He goes, but I think yeah. it got in your head. And and is there some credence to that? Possibly. I mean, I, I actually had something the other night where I was eating Halo Top ice cream because I'm intermittent fasting. And my friend who's a comic <laughs> who lost over 200 pounds, I texted him this idea for a joke. And I said, this is kind of similar to what you already say, isn't it? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it's a different take. And I said, yeah, but you know what? No, we work together a lot, whatever. So it does happen. It was probably yeah. because I've heard him talk about it all the time. Uh, someone like Robin Williams, though, you know, doing fucking three eight balls of coke and then getting on stage. That's <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, Robin Williams, like the idea how I feel about him is is he's so out there where if you told him like he's it's like Drake. How many lines do they say Drake has stolen from other rappers? But he 
he puts it in a pop song or his pop rap and it, and it works. It's like remarketing this line. And he's stolen so many lines from so many different rappers throughout the years. But like when he does it, it like just hits better. And it could be like Robin Williams, like he just does something so explosive and different. I could say something and Robin Williams can say it the same words I just said, but make it insane and hilarious. And I don't know. I, I see it like that. And also I saw like kind of what you're saying, like, I remember Amy Schumer got caught uh, stealing jokes, but it was like a joke that like someone accused her of stealing from this comedian to this comedian, this is a comedian. Yeah. And it was also on like the Flintstones had the same joke. I think Joe Rogan broke it down. We're like the, yeah. literally the Flintstones said the same exact joke in 1960. And then like, you can't say that Amy Schumer stole it when 20 other people did it. And the Flintstones did it f- f- 50 years ago or something, you know? Well, And, and then the like, other thing she got are just redone. The other thing that she got some heat for was when she had that sketch show on Comedy Central. Um, you know, again, that's a team of writers. There's nine people in a room spitballing ideas, and then they form an outline, and then they write a, you know, a script for a sketch. There was a sketch on her show that was eerily similar to something on Mad TV, and some idiot with no, you know, nothing but free time on their hands broke it down side by side, and they were very similar. But, you know, again, what is Amy Schumer supposed to do? You know, everything that her writers hand her, she's supposed to painstakingly research. No, she had a room yeah. full of writers. You know, it could have been any one or a couple of those eight. And let's let's call it what it is, too. A lot of it is just jealousy. When we see people succeed, you know, instead of looking at what they did to get there, we tend to go, why isn't it me? And fuck it. They must have been stealing. You know, yeah. I, I look, it, it, I. I spent at one point in my career four hours a day just writing. And you see on social media, I'm always putting premises out there. And then I found out that Jerry Seinfeld literally would spend 10 hours a day writing. And it's like, oh, all right, I get it now. You know, and I'm not yeah. saying that if I spent 10 hours a day, I'd be on his level. But but my point is, is that there's a lot of fucking hard work to get there. And I yeah. think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. It's easier to just go, oh, he stole or he did this. It's just the the culture that we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why comedy fascinates me compared to, you know, music or any kind of other art. I don't know. I think there's a lot to it. Like you said, like singing at a concert, you want to hear the songs that you know, but you go see a comedian, you you know this joke already, minus Dane Cook. It's like you're disappointed. So I think that's that's pretty fascinating with that and how, how different it's always got to be. Well, the one thing but, that they have in common, too, is that they're both subjective, right? So, like, if I yeah. think a band sucks, that doesn't mean that they're not talented musicians especially if they're selling out stadiums they're just not my cup of tea and the yeah. same thing is with comedy you know i i've i don't think you could ever really find a period or anything uh where i've said this comedian sucks might not be my cup of tea and look as someone who's producing shows there's comedians that i book that are not my cup of tea but i know that they're going to do well for that audience and sure. and that's what you got to do it's an art form like anything else yep all right paulie what do you think we uh what were you going to say? Were you going to say something, Paul? Or you want to... Uh, no, I think we go on to a little bit of This Week in Dude News. This now, Week in Dude News. Now, Ryan, what This Week in Dude News is, it's exactly what it sounds like. Me and Mike both find a story. We're going to... Uh, a real a real news article. We're going to tell it to you, and then we're just going to react to it. This Week in Dude News. Um, okay, so, uh, Mikey, I'll go first. All right, you go. <clears throat> Here we go. Here's our title. This is from OzarksFirst.com. So you know it's good. The title is, 
woman demands free Chick-fil-A after claiming she is an FBI agent gets arrested. Woman That's claims free Chick-fil-A after she demands F- free Oh, demands. Yeah, free Chick-fil-A after claiming she is an FBI agent gets arrested. Boom. Okay, now picture in your mind, picture in your mind right now a woman who would fake being an FBI agent to get Chick-fil-A. Are you picturing her in your head? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what she looks like. Yeah, she's, okay, well, so she's, don't even she's, don't even show me. I'm, I'm imagining it's like a it, well, you said Ozarks first of all. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say Ozarks, I'm I'm immediately thinking it's a woman on crystal meth, you know, <laughs> who's got shopping bags for shoes. And is like, I want that free Chick-fil-A. And also you, in the Ozarks, I'm imagining that the the people who work at the Chick-fil-A in the Ozarks are not nearly as attractive as the people who work for the Chick-fil-A's in the Northeast. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm not one to uh, weight shame, but it looks like she's eating more of the crystal meth than smoking it, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ew! And those poor Chick-fil-A employees, they're like the children of the corn anyway, so imagine how they had to handle that. Like, like if we ran into that woman, like, especially Mike, he's a bar bouncer, I'm a comic, like, if we saw that woman, it would just be like, eh, another day at the office. Like, imagine being a nice child of God in the Ozarks, working at Chick-fil-A, and then having child. that shit happen to you. If you follow Jesus, you shouldn't have to deal with people trying to get free Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Although Jesus would give the free Chick-fil-A away, you know, or or he would just take like, you know, a French fry and turn it into a chicken. And okay. there's the crux of the issue. You know, he would, take, he would take his own body and make it a make it a spicy chicken sandwich. These are spicy chicken nuggets. This is my body. Eat it and become one with me. So take it to memory of me. <laughs> so, uh, and the Chick Fil A sauce is the blood. So the free food <laughs> isn't worth getting arrested over. That's how they lead it. First of all, not good journalism giving us opinions. I want the cold hard facts about. Well, wait, this hold one. on. So, th- does the article specify like did she actually like get the food and then they were like something doesn't seem right about this or? Like, did they just not give her the food and call, and then she got busted for impersonating a federal officer? Like, what, what does it specify what happened? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, don't you worry. I won't leave you on a cliffhanger. We're going <laughs> to... Well, please do tell. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes. Authorities arrested a woman in Dallas, Georgia, not to be confused with Dallas, Texas, which is... That's like... If, if you're in Dallas, Georgia, that's like... That's like being in, like, the, the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas, you know? that's like pick a different name it's yeah like does dallas georgia have like a fake book observatory where like you can reenact the kennedy assassination like 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 what is dallas georgia known for i think i think i think the cowboys play that when it's like really windy in uh in texas (laughs) oh they play in a dome i know that so So authorities arrested a woman in Dallas, Georgia, at the Ozarks, after she allegedly tried to convince restaurant restaurant workers that she was an FBI agent and should get free food. So, I mean, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Guessing if you live in Dallas, Georgia, a GED is a stretch for you. You probably (laughs) didn't get that. So yeah, I think, I think her, out there, like they still had one room schoolhouses, like from back <laughs> in the turn of the century. Like COVID wasn't a problem for them because they're just like, we only have seven students per school, you know, <laughs> four of them died already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, it's like still like the Oregon Trail in parts of that. <laughs> Although, in fairness, there's parts in New Jersey that are like that too. You know what I mean? That's true. Like if you, like if if there was a Chick Fil A in Bayville, New Jersey, and you told me that story, I would have believed it. Yeah. Hey, if you live in Dallas, Georgia, and are listening to this podcast, drop a link in the comments. Um, <laughs> so, or, send, or send hate mail. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just the fact that she thought FBI agents get free food, this tells you a lot about this lady. So even when police <laughs> officers, <laughs> yeah, like as if that's a perk. It's like, yeah, you get a 401k, you just get free food, man. Anyway, even when police officers arrived, the woman apparently continued to claim she was a federal agent. Wow. Oh, oh. Oh, and they give her name. Kimberly George Ragsdale. First of all, Ragsdale. That's a yeah. That's, yeah. This you, is a mad TV sketch. You mean you Special Agent that. Ragsdale. Special <laughs> Agent Ragsdale. <laughs> <laughs> so Special Agent Ragsdale attempted to get free food from a Chick-fil-A by pretending to be an FBI agent. Redundant journalist. We already know that information. The Polk County Standard Journal reports. Well, wait, hold on. Are... It is a journalist from Dallas, Georgia. Let's be a little fair here. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing really good. <laughs> Employees were apparently not convinced and called 911 to report the woman. You don't say. Especially to <laughs> Ragsdale didn't fool him, huh? So according to the news outlet, this is not the first time Ragsdale has attempted to, attempted to get free food and has threatened to arrest employees when they don't provide the food. <laughs> I That's still think right. she should have went the fucking Christian healer route as opposed to the FBI agent. Like if she had walked in there and was like, I got the cure for COVID, my child. It's only going to cost you a donation of two chicken sandwiches and a small waffle fry, you know? like. <laughs> What about that old man who like does the uh, I don't know type of church on the internet and he like doesn't he blow away COVID and then the other day oh, he was like Kenneth laughing Copeland? yeah yeah he's like ha 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 that guy <laughs> that guy is can so get Chick Fil A fuck nuts dude that guy is out <laughs> of his fucking mind scary he's not out of his mind and knows exactly what he's doing I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that because here here's the reality of it I don't think. You, well, look, some of them have had, uh, you know, I, I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life, so I have a lot of my issues with the bullshit and indoctrination. Uh, but, I mean, those people are worse because here's the thing that I'm willing to say. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of scumbag priests out there, but at least I could respect a decent priest or nun because they're sacrificing. Like, they're giving up something, like, you know, sell, well, not something, their entire lives. So I can at least take them with a grain of salt, but these charlatans that have private fucking jets and are telling people who have a total, you know, total combined household income of, of $25,000 to send them money. That's not nuts. That's evil. In my opinion, yeah. because if you were yeah. truly nuts, there would have been something that would have squandered that money by now. The fact that they've turned this into big business and they're doing it literally off the backs of the poorest and the most ignorant, is really well, the Ragsdales of the world. Yeah. The Ragsdales. Yeah, yeah. we said that also, that guy makes like 300 mil a year or something. I think his net worth came out recently. Like it's I, I hate making fun. I mean, I hate making fun of good-natured dumb people. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll still do it, but there's a part of me that feels guilty. You know, the, the preachers aren't the dumb ones. They know exactly what the fuck they do. Yeah. Also, if you're if you're a seventy year old man or above and you get Botox, you should probably just die already. Um, <laughs> so they, okay, so uh, yeah, so the employees were not convinced. She threatened to arrest them. 
<laughs> that's so funny that she's really like sticking to this shtick. Um, it's method so, acting. What, yeah. So Jared Leto oh did something God. like this. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. There. There's 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 a cherry on top, which is my favorite part of the story. When officers arrive, Ragsdale reportedly continued to claim that she was a federal agent. She's dying with this shit, man. She allegedly <laughs> told officers that she had no identification because her credentials were electronical. <laughs> uh, she should change her name to Daniel Day Lewis Ragsdale. This is getting real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like honestly. Would you like even be surprised at all if like she took off a mask and it was Daniel Day Lewis me- like method acting? Wait, like, wait, officers, it's a Scooby Doo villain. <laughs> possible Tom Cruise just rips off his face and it's Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> so then officers placed Ragsdale in handcuffs and arrested her. This is the best part of the story coming up. This sentence right here. <laughs> I can't even say it. She were. <laughs> She reportedly pretended to talk to a supposed radio in her shirt, reporting that she was being arrested and that the FBI needed to send someone to the Rockmart Police Department. (laughs) So, like, as she's getting arrested, all right, picture this. She's in handcuffs and she's talking to a fake radio in her (laughs) shirt, telling fake FBI agents that the Rockland whatever fucking police department is arresting her. So now here's hey, look, what I you want. Guys, you guys can laugh all you want, all right? But she already has three hundred thousand followers on Parlor, so <laughs> you know you can keep keep cracking your little jokes on pre-gaming with Paulie. But this chick <laughs> is going to be doing fucking comedy clubs and theaters after she makes bail. I actually heard that uh, Donald Trump just offered her the Secretary of Defense position that has recently opened up. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I don't want to get too off on that tangent. Uh, Mike knows I, I'm a Trump supporter, but the funny thing is is that, the, again, I don't like extremes on either side. So you know, I don't like it from the left, and I certainly don't like it from the right. And what I've been seeing these last couple days, I'm like, whoa, buddy. You know, And, and a lot of these people, here's the thing. You would expect it. You know, from a guy who's got a fucking, you know, 1987 F-150 covered in QAnon stickers. I don't expect it from friends of mine that have master's degrees and that have, you know, families. And, you know, that's the shit that's driving me nuts. Not that they think, look, I think that the whole thing in a lot of ways, there's a lot of I'm a big conspiracy theorist. But the problem with conspiracy theories when they try to tell you this is why it's happening. I don't know why it's happening. I just think something's afoot. But these people are losing their fucking minds. And uh, yeah, this lady, I, I guarantee you there's someone on Parlor that posted this story and said, <laughs> you know, she has something to do with it, man. The world has gone nuts. <laughs> well, um, in the statement from uh, the Rock, the Rock, oh, Rock Mart, not Rockland, excuse me, the Rock Mart. Sorry to the uh, beautiful people of Rock Mart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that are probably that's an oxymoron i'm betting <laughs> yeah you know what's I, I like you know what's so weird if i if if any one of us were to stroll into rock mart right now we'd be like a a, a 10 in rock mart we're definitely <laughs> I, a rock honestly, mart 10. i want to go rent a kia soul paul and i want me and you to take a road trip to rock mart i was right. in the fork at river wawa a couple weeks ago and i felt like a 12 <laughs> So I, I I think if I went out there, like I I would fucking be Clooney level. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I don't, I'm usually a modest guy, but you know. Yeah, I mean, like I'm like a I'm like a Hoboken six and a half, Hoboken seven, but I'm a fucking Rock Mart 
13, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh, said this about my time in North Carolina. Like, when I was living down there in the Marines, like, it, it was just like me down there in a bar dressing. I'm not a fashion person at all, but I match things. I don't wear camo on camo, blue camo to green camo or something. You know, I, I just wear clothes. I, I was always like the above person. I'm a, I'm a 10 there. And it, 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 when I came back to Jersey, it was sad. I was like 22. I, I spent my 18 to 21 years in in uh, North Carolina, and I always thought I was so cool. I moved back here, and I'm like, ah, I'm I'm pretty much the mid-level person. And it, and it was a little sad. But that's yeah. why I could tell. I mean, I I've never met Paul, but I, I could tell already that you know he's the type of guy I'd like to hang with. And, and part of the reason why I like hanging out with you is because even though we're still Jersey Shore, you know, guys, we've and I hate to say like, oh, we've traveled or we've been places because a lot of people say that. Oh, well, I travel. Yeah, no, you went to a fucking resort in Playa del Carmen. Like that doesn't make you a <laughs> like you serving in the military. Uh, you know, you, you you were amongst people and how they really lived when you were off base. And it's the same thing with traveling to do comedy shows. Like you go into towns. Like if I do a show on a Friday night and two on a Saturday, I have all day Saturday to kill. And I like to talk to people and meet people. You learn that these people exist. And I think now. It's so funny, like when I talk to my parents and everybody who were on Facebook, like, oh, I, you know, the world wasn't like this. People weren't this crazy. No, they were. It just wasn't in your face 24-7. Like fucking, yeah. you know, Ragsdale, whatever her first name is, she's been around since the beginning of time. It's just and there's thousands of her. Yeah. She's, yeah. There, she's not the everywhere. only one. Yeah. She's not the only one here. Well, there's many of her. <laughs> um, well, anyway, the Rockmore police chief, who's for sure a character in himself, Woody Harrelson would play him in a movie, definitely. <laughs> he says, we are thankful for the observant and professional staff at... <laughs> I didn't even read this part yet. At Chick-fil-A. He, <laughs> professional staff... He doesn't even say at Chick-fil-A. He says, at CFA. Oh, <laughs> this he, he quote is CFA. CFA. Yeah, now yeah. they're a federal that's branch frequent. of law enforcement. That's definitely their only fast food place in that small town, is CFA. And you call we it need checks and balances. We need the FBI. We need the CIA. We need CFA. We need Wendy's. Someone call the Burger King. We need a monarchy to, to give us an opinion. So in, he's in for the BK Lounge. Okay, oh, it's not Burger yeah. King. That's back there, but you know, but that, that's funny though too. Like, because I could just picture like there's the. Uh, I don't know where you guys live right now, but like I'm on the border of Brick and Point Pleasant right there. And so if I want Chick-fil-A, I got to go to the one that I consider it Lakewood, but it's still technically Bricktown on Route 70. And I mean, the cars are wrapped around all the way to like where the Lowe's home improvement warehouse is. And these fucking people come out, man, like, you know, and they got their iPads and then it's like, OK, well, then you're going to pull into this. They would probably be much more efficient than the FBI or the DEA. So <laughs> I'm all about it. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for CFA. If we can have a Space Force, we can have a CFA. Yeah. Well, the Rockmart Police Chief Randy Turner is very thankful for CFA, who knew what to do and gathered the info needed for us to make our case and catch her in the act. They they finally got her. They finally got Ragsdale. <laughs> Put her away. Uh, yeah, it, it's like it's like when Bush. Uh, Next week she was going to go to the subway and pretend to be in the Navy. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, it's like when Bush stood on the uh, aircraft carrier with the mission accomplished sign behind him. Like this was the big catch for the Rockmart police guys. Yeah, but uh, not that he did fly that fucking plane in there. So I mean, we got to give him credit for that. That was a, a, a pretty cool. Top Gun moment. 
But uh, he would like to inform our citizens to call 911 if someone's... Cl- yeah, blah, 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 blah. According to an arrest report, Ragsdale was charged with impersonating a public officer. End of article. Well, I would actually think there would be a... a, a like, I mean, you know, let's say one of us pretended to be a fucking Howell cop. Uh, we'd get in trouble. But I would think that it would be much more severe to pretend to be a federal officer. I mean, Mike, you're a military guy. You could probably shed some light on that, I would think. I, like, I literally have no same, idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Like so if I pretend to be was... a Delmar cop or a Point Pleasant Beach cop uh, by the tilt world at Jenkinson's, that can't be as bad as pretending to be a federal officer. So there was a law passed, I don't know, maybe before Obama. I'm not – I just know about the law. I'm not really sure about dates or whatever. But it was uh, the um, – what do you call it? Um it's about impersonating a military person. Stolen Valor. Stolen Valor. Okay. There was yeah. a law for the Stolen Valor Act where people would, like, you know, buy from the Army-Navy store. Or you could, like, military uniforms, you can buy online yeah. uh, and wear, like, Medal of Honors or Purple Hearts. Like, those are things that you could go on base and buy from the store. I could buy one. Uh, you're not some obviously being in you can't wear that without like we have like records to show what we're oh, why the fuck did someone buy that well because, no, I'll tell dude, you, there's my, so my... many in, in stolen valor that there's people in the freehold mall i walked past a guy in the freehold mall who was had his a uniform on was walking past i addressed him by his rank he didn't know what to say back to me. I looked at his stuff again, and it was all fucked up. And he was a rank that would be like the top, like way above, like served twenty years, and all this stuff was fucked up. I walked past him. I'm not a controversial person, but there was an act at one point where you could call the police and have that man charged. I'm pretty sure the Stolen Valor Act. Again, don't quote me on this. I know we're on a podcast and on the internet, but I'm pretty sure that act has been taken back to where they can't be like legally charged unless they do another thing or i don't know but there is a there if you was want to fall into a youtube rabbit if you want to fall into a youtube rabbit hole later there are tons of videos of people actually confronting some of these guys and when yeah. i tell you the lack of shame i mean we're not even talking i mean look it's it's a scumbag move regardless of where you said i had a buddy of mine give me a really nice uh marine corps hoodie and i actually refused to wear it because of these videos that i saw Granted, two different distinctions, but at the yeah. same token, like why? I, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable with that thought even being out there. But in some of these videos, these guys would have fake, you know, or marine uniforms, and they'd go to weddings where you know they'd be yeah, acquainted. That's fucking with crazy. And that's they fucking get called out. They crazy. go, "Oh, dude, it exists, man. If you want, when, when we're done with this, just fucking put in stolen valor called out." And some of the times, you think the guy filming is going to come to blows, and it almost does at times. Uh, but yeah, that shit's wild. I mean, but to me, that's even different. I don't know. Look, I've never served in the military. Um, I have a lot of family members and friends who have, and I, I appreciate I've done a lot of fundraising comedy work for the military. So to me, that's sacred. I mean, look, you shouldn't impersonate a police officer either. I'm, I'm more than willing to give that a pass than I am stolen valor. I don't know. To me, yeah. it just sit right with me morally. I don't really have any other reason other than being very uncomfortable with it. Look, as someone who has been in the military now, uh, active for almost seven years uh i've never been to afghanistan or iraq and on top of that my friends who have haven't even seen combat so well a couple of them so if you take away that like even if someone who served i i when people ask me about it 
I always tell them, I, no, I've never been to Afghanistan. I went to Morocco. I haven't, I haven't been to Afghanistan. I haven't been to Iraq. I, I even feel obligated to let them know that I haven't been to war, you know, because I feel like a lot of people want to like put me above whatever, because I feel my friends who have are just that much ahead of me or something like that, you know, which is, which is my personal belief of it. So it, it, it pisses me off. I mean, this is so off topic of what no, we're talking no. about, but it, it, it's something to me that even in my field where people respect me so much for doing what I do, I respect people in my own field for being that much more into it than I am. So uh, when someone who hasn't even done what I have done, to pretend like they've done something that I respect so high. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's such a fucking loophole of, yeah, I've seen videos. It, it's ridiculous, but it's but like what, that. uh, the only time like, that I ever gave, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, go ahead. Uh, I was, <laughs> it's not important. I was just gonna say, it's like what Tom, uh, it's like what Tommy Holland says in, uh, in that fucking devil movie on Netflix. He says, the world is full of no good sons of bitches. And that's what they are. They're no good sons of bitches. That's like the most bizarre thing in the fucking world to me. Yeah. <laughs> that anyone would yeah. go at it. Because it's not like, especially like that, that example you said about the mall. That's not like something, oh, I'll just wake up and like do this. It's like, that's a premeditated <laughs> thing. Yeah. You're going out, you're buying a uniform, you're buying well, whatever one of the, he one was of the wearing, metals, why? patches. People were doing it too. I think there was one video I watched where, because you know how like, I mean, I know this year with COVID, it wasn't as uh, prevalent because all these restaurants are hurting. But in the past, there'd be certain restaurants that would say, hey, show a valid military ID or show up in uniform. If you're active, uh, you know, you're going to get a free meal. So people were doing it for that, too. And it wasn't like these were people that were starving. They had the money to fucking buy the uniform. But they really wanted the free Applebee's that bad. I mean, Dude. The, the mindset, the only time I've ever been able to be down the middle on it was there's a very famous wrestler and iconic entertainer uh, by the name of Sergeant Slaughter. And I've gotten to know the man behind that character a little bit over the years. And, you know, my earliest memory is him in, as G.I. Joe, you know, and then, yeah. you know, he was a professional wrestler first. And in interviews from professional wrestling, there's a thing called kayfabe where you used to have to pretend that everything was so real. And then obviously, once it became public knowledge that wrestling was fake, they kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit. But it's still like a magician with tricks. And in interviews, like someone would say, so were you really a Marine? And he'd go, yes, maggot. But he was in character. And someone found out, I guess only a couple months ago, that he never actually was a Marine and he never served. And he had to come out with this big public apology. And he was like, listen, I understand why I probably hurt feelings and stuff. But my mindset was this. And a lot of people came down on him hard for that. And I gave him a pass because he was playing a character that, for Christ's sake, I mean, they've sent him to Iraq and Afghanistan and all these other countries to cheer up the troops and they're taking yeah. pictures with him because they watched him on TV as a kid that bothered me but if you're just some dirtbag you know trying to pick up a chick at a bar by saying oh yeah you know I was in Fallujah no go fuck yourself yeah yeah I, I feel like I feel like the wrestling thing is different because it's like that that would be like getting mad at like the kid it Disneyland who plays like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Like, you're not really Gaston. You don't know what happened. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm fucking I'm I'm pretending. I'm playing a fucking I'm an actor, you know. Even even like for newer wrestling, like John Cena, when he started, he was very like salute. He he played the Marine. That one movie by WWE films yeah, yeah. was the Marine. And he was all like blah 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 blah. And it's like 
like I don't know, like those people, yeah, they're they're morale boosters and they're this, like that's but like I don't we I don't feel Dan that's Cook acting. Earlier. It's it's yeah. Like we were saying about Dan Cook earlier, John Cena is much more handsome than Sergeant Slaughter, so I think that plays. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it works for him. All right. Well, talking about wrestling this week in Dude News, part two, my my uh, uh, my article. So I know uh, I know Ryan. Obviously, prior to this, I know he was big into wrestling, um, and I kind of I've been going on Dude News lately, and I've been kind of stale. At my personal feeling. I wanted. To, I'm a big movie guy. I wanted to talk a little about movies. I want to talk a little about this and that. And keep it interesting. And this week in Dude News for me, I wanted to bring up, uh, it was just announced that Dwayne Johnson, my guy The Rock, is producing a Scorpion King reboot. And I just think that's fascinating because the first Scorpion King was so fantastic. (laughs) And it was The the Rock's first movie role leaving, well, he was still in wrestling, but moving on from wrestling and trying to get into acting was this. Well, that was his first starring role. Wasn't, wasn't the Scorpion King character one of the mummies? It was his first starring role was the the Scorpion King movie, but he, it was a spinoff of the mummy. I think returns. Okay. Where he was the CGI character of the giant actual scorpion that came on with the rock space, which is in doubt. It's, it's listed as the worst CGI moment in movie history. When oh, they wow. Rock's face on the scorpion, which is fantastic. But I, that's why I think it's so fascinating that the rock, I mean, he's, he's huge. He's, he's like the biggest movie star without being the best actor in the world right now. Um, he, he's what Schwarzenegger so, was in the, in the eighties yeah. on that level. He's, he's always on top of four, uh, Forbes magazines, like, you know, top paid actors of the year, but he's also like just a wrestler, like, you know, action star wrestler, uh, actor. But him bringing back such a failed franchise, my so funny story. My grandma came up to me the other day, and she she's obsessed with like learning Spanish, and and uh, she works at a farm with a lot of Hispanic boys that she like considers her grandkids. <laughs> but so she tries to switch her her TV like the cable vision to the SAP button, the set whatever you know like turning it to spanish so she finally figured out how to turn her tv into spanish and she watched the scorpion king 3 the other day <laughs> and she told she told me about it and she was like find anything better to learn spanish <laughs> dude it was, Wait, there it, were three it was scorpion like king uh, movies? that's that's what i'm saying there was three <laughs> scorpion exactly there was multiple but it was funny she comes to me the other day i stopped by the house i i was talking to her um, she knows I'm really into movies and she's like, Michael, I watched the Scorpion King three the other day. And I was like, wow. Oh yeah. She's like, I learned how to turn it into Spanish. She's trying to learn Spanish. Um, and she was like, Mike, that movie sucks. <laughs> yes. and I was like, That's awesome. yes, it sure does. It was like straight to DVD. Like I didn't even know they made a Scorpion King three, man. Like I didn't know there was a two. Yeah. I didn't even know there was a two. <laughs> and she's telling me, she's like, there was Egyptians played by Asian men, and there was Asian men played by, you know, Muslim guys. And she's like, I, I, we're in Egypt, and they they got, you know, Americans in Egypt. And I'm, I'm like, Nanny, I don't even know how to explain this to you, but 
it's just a bad movie. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. When you say a reboot, bad. though, when you say a reboot, I'm, I'm assuming he's just, well, I mean, his production company with his ex-wife is fucking top-notch. I'm assuming he's not going to have any part in the film, right? Like, they're going with a completely different actor? Or... Well, he fucking better. So, yeah, so as of right now, I, would, I wouldn't doubt that he, it's a reboot, but he stars in it. But as of right now, he's listed as the top producer on bringing it back. And he works with Universal Pictures ever since like the Fast and the Furious movies that he got involved in. So he has a partnership with them. So he's bringing it back, uh, the Scorpion King reboot franchise with Universal Pictures. And they have, they don't have a director yet or a lead man, but I, I can't wait for it to, them to say it's, it's The Rock. Uh, but the they signed on the writer of the movie, and the writer of the movie is get this, the writer of Straight Outta Compton. Wow. <laughs> Which well, you is know have, have you guys noticed too? The thing that bothers me is that people don't know the difference between a spinoff, a sequel, and a reboot. It used to be a reboot was okay. We're gonna throw out canon, and we're gonna or we're gonna take the same canon, put different actors in, and it's gonna be like that original one didn't exist. It's a remake, remake, yeah. reboot, something along those lines. Now, like, like I love Cobra Kai. I host a podcast on Tuesday nights live on Facebook called Kicking the Cobra Kai because I'm a diehard karate kid guy. They call Cobra Kai a reboot. And I'm like, it's not a reboot. I'm like, it's a sequel. It's a, it's a sequel 35 years later. You know, a reboot would have been the Karate Kid movie with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. That abomination. Yeah, yeah. You can't take the same character. You know, I mean, reboots are uh, what with with the Halloween films. We had that rebooted twice in the last twenty years. Or the, or the Terminator, where where there's a reboot, yeah. and then there's like squash these two movies. There's a re or there's a sequel from the second movie, and now or something. Yeah. And I blame I blame the success, and this is where you know I have to agree with Francis Ford, uh, not Francis Ford Coppola, Scorsese, Scorsese, because yeah, because you know, look, the comic book movies, they're popcorn films. But now it's a shame. Like, I remember I was 14 years old, and it's actually we're coming up on the anniversary. Titanic was the thing that we heard about for months. I missed the days of going to the cinema, as they call it. And you didn't even know about a movie coming out until you saw the trailer. Like, when I just watched the trailer to Karate Kid 2 the other night, they were like, Daniel LaRusso. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, people that love the first movie had no idea about that unless, you know, they didn't have subscriptions to Variety back then. You know, so... You, I miss movie viewing being an event, and you just don't get that anymore. And so now with the Marvel movies and everything going on, everything now is, oh, we're going to throw that out, reboot this. So I blame comic book movies in general for that. I don't know if you guys agree, but... I, I, I mean, I do, but I don't. I do that there's an idea that that's why all these, like, every movie wants a franchise and sequels and a universe, like the... The Invisible Man is like the the universe of the Invisible Man now. It's like, can we just start on like this movie is a good movie and it gets a sequel and maybe that's a spinoff and maybe there is a universe because that's how Marvel started was like Iron Man did really well. And then the Incredible Hulk and then Iron Man showed up at the end and then, oh, how about we have this other character? But it's all like intertwining. But now it's like everything that comes from that is like, what's the universe of this? So that's where I find is the fault of it. I think yeah. Marvel uh, Marvel makes a billion they average they've had 23 movies and they made 23.5 billion on the movies. They average over a billion dollars a film. There is a reason why that works and why I think that's great for oh, cinema. Oh, doubt. Yeah. There is a problem with other studios other than Disney and Marvel looking at them and wanting to be them 
yep. that don't know how to do it and are just fucking up from that. You know, like Paul. Go. Can you bl- can you blame them though? I mean, you you have to keep adapting I mean, and 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 you know, it, it is it's changed the entire landscape. And I think the problem now too is that TV is better than film in so many ways. And there are so many shows that you can't even keep up with. Like I don't know if you guys were were you know old enough to remember. I used to love the video store. There was primetime video in Point Pleasant. And I mean, it was a, you would talk with people, you'd discuss movies. Now you can't sit with a group of six and have a conversation about a TV show because it's mostly people go, yeah, but no, you know what? You got to watch this. Or no, 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 you got to watch that. Oh, no, you know what? I got through the first 43 episodes of that and then gave up. Like, it's hard now <laughs> to talk about some of these things because yeah. there's just so much content out there. Yeah, no, I agree. So I'm giving a thumbs down to Scorpion King reboot already. I'll watch it. I love it. <laughs> what, what I was going to say about, about Marvel is that this is my favorite part about Marvel movies. And I know Mike hates this. Ryan, I'm curious to see what you would think about this. My, one of my favorite parts about seeing a Marvel movie in the movies, in the, in the cinema. You. I already hate you, Paul. I already hate is, you. So. <laughs> it is when people like clap and cheer during like big uh, moments i fucking love that it makes it like so, so much funny. like it makes the experience so much more like fuck yeah baby like we're, we're in it but i know mike fucking hates that but i feel like that's what made like like to me that's the point of going to the movie like seeing borat for example i, I might have said this on the podcast already but seeing borat in person in the movies with a bunch of people also seeing Borat for the first time is about a thousand times funnier than watching it with one other person on the couch. Cause it's just like a different experience. It's a oh, different experience, a like seeing with everyone and like feeding off everyone's energy laughing. And I feel like that's why I love when people che- do I cheer and clap 99 times out of a hundred. No, but same reason, I- same reason why before COVID comedy clubs that worked the best or comedy shows were when people were packed on top of each other because the laughter would spread. So I agree with you. But a funny uh, point to your story. My sister has been married two years. Uh, she met her fiance out in Florida. They were both working for the Disney college program while getting their master's degrees. Her boyfriend, fiance, now husband was from Pittsburgh. My sister's from Jersey. Right before they got married, his bachelor party was with his friends and family in Pittsburgh. And obviously, because I'm the brother-in-law, I get invited to the bachelor party. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. And it's a different bachelor party than I could tell already that the three of us would have thrown or been accustomed to. It was a lot of fun. We went to a Pittsburgh Pirates game. We went to nice dinners. We went to a couple breweries. But I'm used to the Jersey bachelor party, strippers, whatever, the whole nine. It was opening night of the last Avengers movie, which was what, Endgame, correct? Wasn't that the last one? yeah. Yeah. Yes. And like they reserved these tickets six days in advance and we were still the first row. So with a strained neck after drinking all day, playing top golf, I'm sitting up and just watching the screen like this. And there's nine of us in a packed theater. And these people were going apeshit. And there had been a few movies that I guess I hadn't seen. So like when, when a character like that the scene at the end when, when guys are popping up and people are going, oh, I'm like, who the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> so it used to just be like, oh, could I see Back to the Future 2 without seeing part one? And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe whatever. Now it's like, well, can I go see Endgame without seeing 47 other movies first? It just. No, you fuck, you can't. I mean, you could, but like, it's not the same. No, yeah. it's definitely not. 
Yeah, I mean, like Paul said, how much I hate this. Uh, Paul's also one of those people who clap when airplanes land. I I love that, dude. That's my shit. I love doing that. I've said this. uh, I feel like I said this on the last podcast, but me and Paul, I think, are best friends because we we don't do anything the same like i just say <laughs> but i think that's why we're great is is we disagree a lot i hate those things uh when it comes to the movies so i like when you go see a comedy together and everyone's laughing that's not something i hate i love that it, it definitely feeds into it i remember 21 jump street was one that i saw opening night and my stomach hurt i didn't stop laughing the whole time but it was like everyone was laughing it was great so that's me, not- that was the first American Pie, being like American 15 pie. years old, sure. getting together with your buddies. Your parents dropped you off in, in the fucking Brick Plaza parking lot. You know, the one buddy snuck a couple, you know, shitty bush beers. And, you know, that was that was an experience, you know, because um, you could relate to it, too, being a teenager. I think that was probably the best comedy like movie experience alive. Your American Pie was probably like me and Paul's like super bad. I feel like me and Paul watching Superbad yeah. were that way, where like you know, it was like just so on point with everything we were experiencing and and just the laughs. But um, my what, thing with Seth Rogen know, though is he's either hit or miss. I mean that's just me, yeah, but I, I mean I do have so a couple of years on you. It's a miss, yeah. But yes, yeah, Superbad was one of ours for definitely high school time frame for us. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the Marvel movie and why I hate that so much is when I saw Endgame. I just remember you remember like Jason Momoa as as Aquaman and like yep. the Justice League trailer came out and he was like, my man was like his like all of a sudden like Aquaman's like catchphrase was like, my man. And the problem <laughs> that like uh, like uh, like the superhero movie like fandom, which I've seen every Marvel, every DC. I love I love these movies. Now, did you but- like the comic books, too, or no? Yes, I was I was big into comic books, okay. not like not like huge ner- nerdy like yeah, top yeah, yeah. of the line, but I, I was minorly into. into hey man, into we all it. have our shit. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so I love these movies, and I see them all like, and I always have to be opening night, like Thursday night preview, all that. And my biggest problem with like Endgame or Infinity War was there's always like that drama kid from high school that's sitting right next to you or right behind you, and that's why I hate this type of thing. And it's like the the one time like Spider-Man de- uh, dies at the end of Infinity War. He, he you know, he dusts away. You know, he's coming back. He has a sequel coming out. He made a billion dollars. He's coming back next movie. Yeah. Either way, like he flies through the little circle. Right. And this kid behind me is like, my man. And he's like, <laughs> Black Panther walks through and they're like, Wakanda forever. And he's like, my man. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's like, dude. And, and in these movies, it's not like it's not like SNL when like a new celebrity shows up and there's a cheer. So everyone pauses for a second. Like, haha, like it, the movie keeps going. So you need to shut up so I can I fucking paid for the the Thursday night preview. I want to hear the movie and this kid behind me, my man just like clap and I'm like shut up. <laughs> like there's no reaction to where you see someone for the first time and you need to say my man. Like you just don't need to say it. You could just be like, "Oh shit." Even if you didn't see him coming back or or whatever was about to happen just shock you. You can go, "Who?" <gasps> Or, or something, and that's fine. You don't have yeah. to scream, "My man!" every fucking time a new character comes on that you knew was coming back. You just knew it. 
I, I totally know. understand. I know, and, and I agree with everything you just said, but let me throw this question at you because do you feel that now after everything we've been through with this pandemic and the lockdowns and now especially here in Jersey, more restrictions coming forward and it looks like you know they're either going to tighten restrictions before they loosen them as this goes on. I have a feeling that a lot of the things that used to annoy us about the general public, at least in a social situation, I mean, I think we'll always get annoyed by people we have to deal with at work and whatnot. But I think a lot of that is going to be looked at differently. And the reason I say that was because, you know, Mike, you're a Jersey Shore guy. You understand. I remember my birthday was June 17th in uh, outdoor dining open June 15th. So I went to Tiki and Jenks a lot. And you know from working at the bars, when there used to be like a two or three person acoustic duo, even if they were extremely talented, nobody gave a fuck. People would talk over them. That's part of what the allure of hiring an acoustic duo is. You can have people have conversations and whatnot. But did you notice this summer that like people reacted differently to live entertainment? They would sit and go, oh, my God, and they'd stand up and clap. And I have a feeling now like. Once the movie theaters, when we get to that point where they can be packed again and then the next big blockbuster comes out, I think you're going to see a lot more of that, actually. And I think it might, at least speaking for myself, it would bother me less. I think people are just going to be like, you know what? It feels so good to be out of the fucking house. My man. You know? yeah. like, if that kid was the same kid, I don't know what his, what his face looked like because he sat right behind me. But if that kid was in a movie theater with me right now, I, I'd jerk off. <laughs> to listen to him say my man one more time, I would just fucking come right there. I'd be like, Another my fucking, my fucking man. You're goddamn right. It's my man. I bet his I last name came. was Ragsdale. It's a fucking <laughs> Ragsdale. So, Mike, it, keep going with the uh, thing. Or was that it? That was kind of it. News? I mean, oh, the- yeah, so he, the last, I mean, I kind of said it, but he's got the, the, um, the writer of uh, Straight Outta Compton to write this new Scorpion King, which I think is fantastic. You're talking about an Oscar-nominated movie for the Scorpion King reboot. I love that. I love Dwayne. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So let's call Alec. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So uh, we're on our next segment, which is uh, Alec's Sports Fact of the Week. So Ryan, what we do is we call our friend Alec, who tells us a sports fact, and it normally sucks ass so let's see okay. if he's got a really bad sports fact for I, us i will warn you going in i mean other than new york giants football when it comes to, and i used to host trivia at a bunch of different bars and stuff before this pandemic started so i'm pretty good with random general trivia but i'm not too sports knowledgeable so this should be fun for me i could really make yes. an ass of myself that's fine me we and just, you alike <laughs> yeah i never know what the fuck he's saying so here we go let's call him Alex Sports Fact of the Day. I was still impressed last week. I did really good with my sports knowledge off the top of my head, and I texted you. Did. I was like, <laughs> I said Johnny Menzel was drafted 22nd yeah. in the first round. And I Googled it like a week later and I was right. I was like, holy shit, Paul, I was right about that. Yeah, I would never even like for Eli Manning, who I loved, I wouldn't know where he went. I mean, I know he was the first pick for the Giants, but I don't know what order he was. Well, no, he wasn't. Wasn't didn't they go with uh the oh, San Diego Rivers. drafted him? San Diego drafted. Oh, this motherfucker. All right, let me call him one more time. And if he doesn't, we're gonna call Austin. Or should we call Greg? Oh, Greg would be fun. I did like the idea of calling his brother instead of him, but Greg would be a good one too. Hopefully, Greg's not working. Is he back from? He's back from uh, San Diego, right? Alec. Yeah. 
Oh, this fucking motherfucker's not gonna answer me, is he? Does he even know he's live on a podcast right now? Does he know that fucking, that oh my fucking God. there's money to is be made anyone, right now? Is there anyone watching us live right now? Like, Do you have this streaming somewhere? <laughs> no. Oh. No, because no, before I thought you said drop a comment, and I was like, oh, wait, because that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, like, that's no, that's what we like do. Our drop, <laughs> okay. drop, a, drop a comment right now if you're listening live. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Um, this is, this wait, is no unbelievable. We can't get anyone to give us a sports back. Holy fuck. Oh, Alex calling me back. Oh, there we go. Hell yeah. <laughs> the fucking man of steel. Oh, hello. What do I need? A fucking an appointment to talk to you nowadays? What, what's <laughs> going on? You might actually get you do. I'm I'm here on fucking pregame with Paulie. I'm 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 trying to buy a sports fact. No one no one's fucking selling. I called you two times. I called Greg as backup. He didn't answer. I called Austin. He didn't answer. Lo and behold, the fucking prodigal son returns. Well, well, I, I'm sorry. I got the phone call. I'm in Pig and Parrot. The music is playing. I had to run down to the bathroom and talk to you. Oh. Pig and Wow. Yeah, well, he probably thought there was some type of an emergency, considering that you called twice in the last <laughs> five minutes. Like, I give him a lot of credit. I'd be annoyed. I'd be like, what the fuck? You just got me out of the bar to give you a random sports fact for your podcast? podcasting with tonight? Oh, uh. Okay, sorry. Well, uh, we're we're podcasting with our uh, friend of the podcast, Ryan, stand-up comedian, Jersey Shore. What's up, dude? Nice. <laughs> Alex is nice. Um, Alex, okay, well, what's your sports fact? fact? Um, we're gonna keep it topical. You know the Masters is this week, right? Absolutely. I Bryce know. Eddie Shambo. Did you know Tiger Woods had his first bogey-free Masters round since 2008 today? Tiger Woods had his first <laughs> bogey-free round since 2008. Is this also the the first Masters that he didn't cheat on his wife? Uh, this is <laughs> like the 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 seventh now. The seventh, the seventh. Okay, yeah, so all I care sport. about is Tiger Woods cheating on his wife, especially yeah. because like, he was married to a supermodel and he was <laughs> fucking a Denny's waitress. Like you're Tiger Woods, why are you fucking a Denny's waitress? I fuck Denny's waitresses. Like it just doesn't make any sense that Tiger Woods would throw everything uh, away for that. Yeah, you wait, fuck Denny's waitress. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, Alec. Um, there was this whole thing we were just talking about pig and parrot because uh, we wanted to know what was what was going on, on the inside. Can you give us like a little bit of details about your surroundings right now? Uh, yeah, I'm currently in the bathroom right now. Okay, I hung up on him. I so, love that every single so every week Paul hangs up on Alec Ryan. If you didn't know, you every go. single time you ask him a question, it's pretty obvious that's the question you're ending on. It's it's <laughs> so obvious, and he always starts to talk before you hang up. It's like he doesn't just like just end it. You know, my buddy, my buddy Tommy, who I mentioned before, his old thing, the guy from Barre, he would always go, "Oh, one more thing," and then just hang up on you. That was like his big fucking. <laughs> Now, when he says pig and parrot, does he mean the original one in Hoboken or the new one in uh, Madison? No, he's, he's, he's in Hoboken. Okay. Yeah, that, well, so I, like when I was hosting trivia, right up until the pandemic hit, I was uh, hosting trivia at uh, Wicked Wolf every Wednesday night. And a lot of my North Jersey friends or people that you know worked in the city that lived in Hoboken, we would always, pig and parrot was the one reliable bar that we could count on to be open, you know, past midnight on a weeknight you know because wicked wolf would would I'd, I'd finish at like 10 they'd be out of there by 11 11 30 green rock occasionally would be open but pig and parrot i it's just oh man i don't know how any of these fucking places are surviving i give them a lot of credit man they're better people than me 
Yeah, good for them. They're closing in an hour, though. Yeah, I've always had a good time there. But when it comes to the Masters, thank you, Alec, for the trivia question or trivia fact. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, Okay. I'm not a golf guy. That's the last thing I'll talk. Yeah, to Yeah, we you wanted guys a sports fact, not a golf fact, for Christ's sake. Yeah, that. Yeah, this maybe, is as good as a, as a LeBron a fact. Bit on girls' intramural badminton while he's at it. <laughs> the thing about Alex' sports fact of the week is that once every six sports facts, he'll give you like a really good one, and then the rest, <laughs> the rest last of them. Last week was a pretty good one. Like this past last week, week was good. Like, was like the we one, had something to talk about, you know? The one about him fucking more girls than Tim Tebow. Electric <laughs> fucking sports. Now that people literally <laughs> tune into that episode, skip to that time code. We literally put the time codes in the description. Alex Sports Fact, 30 minutes in. We didn't really do that, but you know what I mean. And people would go to that and only listen to that part of the episode. That's how good it was. Yeah. Now he's talking about Tiger Woods. I don't fucking know. See, do you do you find doing that? I mean, I know that that's what Rogan does, and I get that because his podcasts are you know four hours long. And I'm not. This isn't a judgment. I'm asking you because what I'm trying to do is like with my live thing to try to get people back to the Facebook page. I'm taking like screen records and going, okay, here was a really funny exchange because we storyboard the Cobra Kai podcast and we, I'm sorry, the Cobra Kai show and then we podcast about it live. So we'll go, okay, here's a really funny clip about what somebody said about this. Here, go watch the full episode. Do you feel like you kind of screw yourself by putting like a breakdown of like, okay, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the CFA at the 50 minute mark. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like that yeah. that's what's going to kind of happen or no? We haven't so, done that. We, we haven't done that on this iteration, but this podcast I've like done Typically, it used to be I used to do it like in the summers in my Belmar house, and okay. I would do it like for the summer, then stop, then for another summer and stop. And for one of the summers, I did used to do that, where like when I would like post about it, it would be a video clip of like what I felt was one of the funnier moments. Yeah. And for and for a few of them, I did like timestamp at you know 13 minutes and 50 seconds we talk about this but then it was just becoming like so fucking monotonous monotonous because especially in like the style that we do it we talk about so many different fucking things that it was like i didn't even know if anyone was getting any value <laughs> out of me doing that yeah i did like posting what i felt was like the funniest moment because yeah. just because i thought it was funny but in terms of like time stamping it i felt like i was doing all this work and I really only did it for a few episodes, but I felt like I was doing all this work, like re-listening to it and fucking typing it all in and out. And I felt like no one even cared. Yeah. I, I like going the visual thing because my whole thing always is, is like, what can I try to do that no one else is doing? Um, and again, there's so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there right now. But I think a big detriment, too, is that now that these iPhones don't have headphone capabilities, I mean, people used to be able to go to a gym you know, get on the elliptical, do the treadmill and go, oh, okay, you know what? I do have these two buddies that have a pretty good podcast. Let me throw it on. You know, now it's like, unless you're in your car to be able to listen to a full hour thing or, you know, I just, I feel like the whole dynamic has changed and it's just a tough, it's a tough road to navigate. I mean, I'm not having fun with it. It's, it's a good creative outlet when you're otherwise fucking locked down and miserable, you know? Yeah. Something tells me if you have the iPhone that doesn't have headphone things, you probably also have AirPods. I don't right? actually. I should probably. You don't, invest. and you no. and you have the one that doesn't have the headphone jack. Well, so my thing is right now I have the um, I, I lucked out. I have the iPhone X, 
which was like the 10th anniversary, I guess. And then um, I've had that for a couple of years and I was due for an upgrade, but I really saw like everything that the 12 Pro Max had. And I said, you know, my phones last me a pretty long time, so I'm going to wait for that. So I actually had as a Christmas gift um, $500 in AT&T gift cards that somebody had bought me and said, go get yourself a new phone. But I was like, I don't want a new phone yet. So they expired at the end of last month. So what they did for me at AT&T was I went in there and they were like, listen, we're just going to put a $500 credit on your account because you have to use the gift cards by today, but you can't order the phone till November 6th. So now when that phone, I, I made the order when it comes in, which is supposed to be, I think like in the next three days, I'm going to probably invest in all the proper uh, gadgets and whatnot. I mean, I, I was doing this podcast from my room without a microphone for the longest time. And then I went and invested in that because I was going into like a shared universe podcast studio doing that. Anytime I'd ever podcasted prior to the pandemic, you went to a studio or somebody's house, you know? Mm. So this is all still very new to me. I'm still kind of like, like geeking out for it a little bit. Like I'm not used to it. Yeah. Well, AirPods or wireless headphones, because AirPods are expensive. I feel like I fucking love them. Yeah. Definitely yeah. worth the, uh, the money. So, what do the AirPods uh, run? What, what do they cost? I think they're like 150 if you get Sadly, the older ones. But that's Sadly. kind of expensive. There's cheaper wireless ones that are just as good. Yeah. Recently I've been having annoying problem with my AirPods that I go to the gym and I don't I'm not like a fucking psycho in the gym these days. I I'll go for you know maybe just over an hour and I'm getting at the end of my maybe because they're a little bit older at this point. I've had mine for about a year and a half. But I get like a 10% or 20% battery like like it'll dingle in my ear or whatever and i'm like i've only had them in my ear for a little and over an hour so it's kind how of long, how long were you going at the gym how long were you going at the gym that over an hour isn't psychotic you know it's like oh, i'm not a psycho you know i only go work out now for like an hour seven days I mean, a week i mean a little a little bit ago probably i don't know probably like uh, not not seven days a week but like okay. you know four to five days a week i'd probably hit an hour and a half to two hours uh, all right uh, I was working at a gym, so it was different, you know. It was oh, like okay. I, I, you know, talking to people, whatever. But like now, I'm like hitting like forty minutes to an hour at the gym, and my AirPods are dying, and it's driving me fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know what would happen if I did forty-five minutes at the gym right now? My fucking lungs would collapse. So uh, I'll <laughs> trade you the problem with with bad AirPods. But you know, <laughs> uh, Mike, do we have any meme economy stuff? I have one thing for the meme comedy so play the music paul turn those machines back on it's the meme economy the music's fucking playing baby Get Who needs machine. to invest in sound effects when you have this the kind machines. of talent? Turn your machines on, baby. Turn those <laughs> machines back on. Now You're in the meme economy. This is good. All right. So the only meme I got, there's a lot. I mean, again, we, we just talked like, what, two, three days ago about, you know, Nevada memes. And today my meme, my favorite meme of uh, of since two days ago has been Xbox and uh, what is it? I don't even Xbox and Series Five? X or something. It's and Xbox PS Series X and PlayStation Five. Okay, so Series X, Xbox Series X. Uh, people started setting them on fire without realizing, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was a joke. 
because uh, as Ryan is vaping right now, uh, apparently kids were vaping and blowing the cloud into the Xbox Series X as, <laughs> as, as a joke to like think it's causing it to go on fire. But I guess the vape smoke was actually causing them to really catch fire or something. That like sounds that. like a bullshit story. It really does. Because no, I, I can't so, even see what would be in the, the vape, the, in the fog, in the mist that would cause it to be combustible. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I know it sets off smoke detectors, sensitive smoke detectors uh, and yeah. whatnot, but... I don't, I don't really know, but so apparently a couple Xbox Series X caught on fire, and because of that, they trace it back to people blowing vape smoke into the system, and Xbox, the official count on Twitter, has come out and just tweeted... Can you please like we it, they wrote something like we didn't think we had to tell you this, but now can you please stop blowing vape smoke into the system? <laughs> Is the Series That's X out already? Because I know today was the release of the PlayStation Five. I, I thought I, it... I I'm pretty sure the Xbox came out the day before. And Here's the thing: was... I've had the Xbox One. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's the uh, Call of Duty uh, Sentinel Task Force version, where it's like it came. It was the one terabyte version that came. It was the Call of Duty console. But you know what? I will literally play games or a game every day for three weeks, and then I will not turn on my Xbox for six months. It's just the way it is with me in video I'm games. So way. I'm really, yeah. I'm really told with what to do. I want to. I want to do the PS5 because I was always a PlayStation guy, and then I got the Xbox One because a couple of friends of mine that I enjoyed playing with had the 360. But now with all the cross-compatibility, I don't know. I'm going to get one of them. I'm thinking I'm going to try the PS5 just to switch it up. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm going to go so PS5. I have PS4. I, I mean, it. I think the world had 360, and that was the fun thing, but that's when only everyone played 360 together. Um PS3 was like so expensive when it came out. I think everyone just went to Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, since then, um, I think everyone got a PS4, and now, every, but me. now because since PS4 was a thing, you know, Fortnite or all those big games, even Call of Duty, I believe, is a, you know console, computer, PC, and um, everyone can play together. That it doesn't really matter at this point. So it's like preference. And yeah. since I'm a PS4 guy, I think I will lean PS5. Um, so that's just my take. And I, I'm, I, I'm going to give it a shot. It I, I miss the PlayStation. And also, too, the, um, the, the Xbox is just so annoying with, like, the constant updates and loads and, and whatever. But, uh, yeah, man, it's but, crazy. But here is the tweet. The actual tweet I will read you is from the Xbox official account. It says, we can't believe we have to say this, but please do not blow vape smoke into our X, into your Xbox Series X. <laughs> and then they have a reply tweet to that that says, and for any non-vape-related support, please contact uh, our info here. And they put a Xbox support link after that. But they were actually having reports of blowing smoke uh, vape smoke into the system fucking it up That's so like there, such... there is something going on there and why would anyone even someone who vapes as much as god himself 
Why are you blowing it into your system? Like, oh, I, I just got the new Xbox. Let me blow vape smoke into it. What are you really going to ask questions after we just saw a couple of years ago people eating Tide Pods and filming it? I mean, come on, nothing surprising. I understand that before this. I don't well, know. People blowing, on... people blowing vape smoke into Xboxes is like the most Gen Z thing ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's like so fucking cl- Like, same shit where it's like, oh, uh, Millennials can't buy houses because they buy too much avocado toast. Like that's really millennial <laughs> stuff. Like, like <laughs> blowing vape smoke into Xboxes is such a fucking Gen Z thing. That doesn't surprise me at all. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's fucking wrap it up now. Um, Ryan, here's what we need from you. Okay. We need you to say, "Hey, this is Brian Mar." Ryan, you're Marr. listening to. That's what I said. Oh, I heard Brian. My bad. No. Sorry. Hey, this is Ryan Marr. You're listening to Pregamer Pauly. And list anywhere that people can find you, whether it's that Cobra Kai podcast, whether you have any dates or anything, because I want to put that at the front so people who immediately listen to it can hear it. Awesome. And then I'll edit it and put it up. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Ryan Marr. You can follow me over on Instagram at Ryan Marr Comedy. See what I'm going to be doing, where I'm going to be, my different various podcasts. But right now, I'm very excited to be on Pregaming with Paulie. Wow. Bang, baby! Now, Mike, is there anything that you need to tell people before we end this? Paul, if you're done, I'm done. And all I want to say is, hey, everybody, please go check on your friends.